0: Would you go please to the book of Acts, book of Acts chapter 20, and then also we're going to look in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Acts 20, 2 Timothy 4. Thanks be to God. It's easy to take it for granted, but uh, it is a great thing to be able to come together like this. Have the freedom, have the ability, the prosperity, got our own places to meet in. Nobody's going to kick us out if we go 10 minutes too long. Freedom, freedoms we enjoy in this country. Nobody telling us that we can't preach on certain verses and certain things. Are you thankful for this? So thankful. Well, for a few weeks now, we've been on a uh, a series that we're calling Faithful to Finish. And in Acts 20, we see the Spirit of God through Paul talking about this, Acts 20. And uh, he said in uh, verse 22, he said, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save or accept that the Holy Spirit witnesses in every city saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Paul was an apostle and a prophet. And just because one operates in that ministry doesn't mean you know everything. You'd only know what the Lord showed you. And uh, concerning other things, you wouldn't know any more than than anybody else. And that's what he says. He said, uh, I'm going not knowing the things that shall befall me there. He said, except for this, everywhere we go, the Spirit of God's been witnessing in every city, saying bonds and afflictions are waiting on me there. Verse 24, but none of these things move me. Now, if you read this whole passage here, these couple of chapters through here, you'll find that Paul's friends and acquaintances, they tried to get him not to go to Jerusalem. Especially when the Spirit of God said, that there were bonds and afflictions waiting. Someone says well. Man if the spirit of God said that. Then you shouldn't go. Well no the spirit of God didn't say don't go. You got to watch. About filling in the blanks. And assuming things. And presuming things. He, he didn't tell him not to go. In fact. If you rewind back. To when Paul got saved back when he was Saul of Tarsus, not Paul, Saul, back when he was the Pharisees' golden boy. (laughs) What do you mean? He was everything that the other young Pharisees wanted to be. He was on the fast track to the Sanhedrin, and he was on a mission to destroy... This cult called Christianity. He meant to do it. And so he had connections with the authorities and got letters from them empowering him. And he drugged people, good Christian people, out of their homes and locked them up in jail and even was a part of people being executed and stoned. But when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, everything changed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And what the Master said to him when he appeared to him on that dusty road, he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, Who are you, Lord? He didn't know who he was, but he knew he had to be Lord. (laughs) Notice what he didn't say. Why are you persecuting my Christians? We would do well to remember that the Lord takes personally what we do or fail to do. For his, his brothers, his sisters, believers he's talking about. Believers, Because Paul, why persecutest thou me? He wasn't just talking about Jewish people. Because Paul was as Jewish as they came. He wasn't attacking Jewish people. He was attacking the church. Is that right? And Jesus identified with believers as himself. Why do you persecute me? And so... Uh, The scripture said talking what the Lord showed Ananias who came and ministered to Paul. That's when Paul was baptized and was able to see again. He said I'm going to show him what great things he must suffer for my name's sake. That he's going to bear my name before kings and Gentiles. This brother sister is suffering according to the will of God. Amen. See, I don't think I got one amen out of that. <laughs> Not a single amen. one. <laughs> because our camp, faith people and, and grace people, is people have the idea, well, we've been redeemed from suffering. We've been redeemed from all suffering. That's not true. Now that doesn't make people shout and run around the church, but do we want to know the truth? We're redeemed from suffering the curse of the law. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. We have been redeemed from the curse of the law. That includes All of the bad things that result from disobeying God. Which includes separation from Him, lack of protection, lack of provision, lack of healing, lack, lack, lack. We've been redeemed. Somebody say, "I've I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed. And yet the scripture says, those who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. How many want to live godly? See, don't now don't put your hand down now. You, just because you know the rest of the verse. Other folks are like, yeah, I know what's coming. Yeah, hey. Do you want to live godly or ungodly? You want to be like the master or like the enemy? I mean, that's not a hard choice. How many want to live godly in Christ Jesus? What's the rest of the verse? You shall suffer being sick and diseased. No, I've been redeemed from that. Suffer from mental anguish and torment and depression and fear. No, no, I've been redeemed from that. God didn't give me a spirit of fear. Right? Shall suffer what? Persecution. persecution. We've not been redeemed from persecution. Let me talk to these folk over here a little bit. <laughs> I said we've not been redeemed from persecution. In fact, we're told you will if you live godly. Not you might. Now there's a chance it could happen. You live godly. It's going to make you stand out. In this ungodly world. And the people that hate him. Are going to hate you. Now nobody wants anybody to hate them. But you're not going to make it through this world. Living godly. And everybody liking you. Not going to happen. And the more committed you are to him. And the stronger and bolder you stand for his things. You will encounter. Hate. Vehement hate. Murderous hate. If they hated him. And you're like him. They will hate you too. But there is a glory side to this. Amen. Woo! The Bible said if we suffer with him. We will also be glorified with him. <laughs> Not just big excitement everywhere but hang on. <laughs> said out loud if I suffer with him. I will be glorified glorified. with him. him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody say, "Thank thank you, Lord. And that's what Paul's talking about here by the Spirit of God. He said, yeah. And it's not that the Lord was telling him don't go when he's warning. He's just preparing him for it. He's just getting him ready. So that it's not a shock and a surprise to him. And this goes all the way back to when he was born again on the road to Damascus. The Lord told him. He was going to suffer a lot of things. For his name's sake. And if you read in, the, in 2 Corinthians. He's got a whole list there. <laughs> of stuff. That he was actually testifying about. And at one point. He told some of the people that were giving him grief about, he said, "Leave me alone. Don't bother me anymore. I bear in my body the scars of the Lord Jesus Christ." What does it mean? He had been beaten. He had been whipped with rods. He had been scourged. He had been stoned more than once and left for dead. He had been bobbing up and down like a cork in the ocean all day and all night, shipwrecked multiple times, betrayed, attacked, hit, all these things. And he's not saying, man, I wish I had more faith so this stuff would quit happening. He's saying it is a badge of honor. Now much of the modern church doesn't think this way and much of the modern church Christianity has been reduced to God helping you live your best life that's not how Paul talked that's not how Jesus talked that's not how Peter talked they talked about some pain oh, yeah. and suffering and sacrifice yes. Amen. in order to get the job done. Yes. Amen. Right. Yes. Amen. Now, it's not suffering for suffering's sake. Right. Right. See, people get into all kind of weird and twisted stuff where you got people, you know, that'll beat their self with cords and lash themselves and deprive themselves, both in so called Christianity and in other religions, suffering for suffering's sake. That somehow that's going to help them attain another level of awareness and spiritual development. No, no, that's not what the Bible talks about at all. The Word talks about suffering. For the elect's sake. If your suffering doesn't help somebody, is everybody awake? Oh, yeah. Then it is in vain. That's right. And Peter we, even goes into great detail about suffering for your own mistakes and that there's no reward in that. <laughs> and a lot of what people call suffering for Jesus. Is suffering for being dumb. (laughs) And there is no reward. It's not spiritual, and there is no reward. But when you obey the Lord to accomplish His will, to help His church, to reach the unreached, and it costs you something, that's an honor. I said, That's an honor. Can you say, thank you, Lord?
1: Thank you, Lord.
0: Go with me for time's sake to, we we won't look at these, the rest of these texts right now, but go with me to the book of uh, Mark, chapter 8, Mark 8. We saw last week, I believe it was in Luke 14, you're going to Mark 8, we saw that he talked about who that's intending to build a tower doesn't sit down first and do what? Count the cost to see whether he has sufficient to finish it. And we're talking about finishing our course. Why do so many not finish their course? Well, that's one of the reasons why, is because they weren't aware it's going to cost. And if you're not aware, it's going to cost you something, not not just something, it's going to cost you everything, (laughs) then when you encounter the cost, people are, they're unprepared. And they're like, oh, I I didn't sign up for this now. I just wanted God to help me (laughs) live my life. (laughs) But that's not real Christianity. That's a watered down version, I'll quote Brother Billy Graham, of easy believism. <laughs> he said many, before he went home, many had, had come to ascribe to what he called easy believism and were so concerned about offending any and everybody Except God. Well that's wisdom, isn't it? Well Christianity is not just easy believism as far as that it's not going to cost you anything. The master said otherwise. The examples of Paul and Peter and others shows otherwise. It is going to cost you something. Now you can go to heaven by just believing in Jesus as your Savior. But that doesn't mean you will find and fulfill your purpose in this life and accomplish all his will and plan and finish your course and get the job done and receive a full reward. That, friend, is going to cost you something. But the cost is not even worthy to be compared. The Bible said, with the glory that shall be revealed, but at the time you're paying the bill, it seems like a pretty big bill. (laughs) So he said, uh, you have to count the cost. Now go to, uh, like we said, Mark. No, no. Let's do it another way. Well, actually, you can just hold your place. You just stay where you are. Relax. Relax. Put on the screen for me, please, 1 Corinthians 21. Now, you don't have to turn here. But this is something that happened with King David. And uh, it's recorded both in 2 Samuel 24 and also here in 1 Chronicles 21. David, King David, had made a giant mistake. He had messed up in trying to number the people. And they're in a bad way and judgment has come and there's a plague and he seeks the Lord and the prophet and the Lord said to him, go and and get this threshing floor piece of property from this person named Arona and build an altar there and offer sacrifices and the plague will be stayed. And so he goes to this place. And when he gets there, 1 Chronicles 21 says Ornan, 2 Samuel calls him Orana, but same same person. Uh, 1 Chronicles 21, 22, David said to Ornan, grant me the place of this threshing floor that I may build an altar therein to the Lord. You'll grant it to me for full price that the plague may be stayed from the people." And Ornan said to David, take it to you and let my Lord the king do what is good in his eyes. Lo, I give you the oxen for burnt offerings. I'm giving you the threshing instruments for wood. I'm giving you the wheat for the meat offering. I give it all. And King David said to Ornan, thank you so much. That saves me some money. (laughs) that's not it he said no but I will verily buy it for the full price for I will not take that which is yours for the Lord nor will I offer burnt offerings without cost or as Samuel said that which cost me nothing Samuel's account said I will surely buy it of you at price I won't offer burnt offerings to the Lord of my God of that which does cost me nothing. Now we're talking about counting the cost. We're talking about paying the cost. If it costs you nothing what is it worth to you? Do you see what we're talking about here? And see David from a boy God had revealed to him things about the honor of God. And if you want to learn more about that subject, read after him and his life, him and his mighty men, God revealed to him and then them through him a number of things about God's character and about his honor. Now you'll notice we got in big letters up over the platform. What does it say? That's what the Lord said. Those who what? Who do what? Now the word honor. Could also be translated in fact some places it is. Price or cost or value. Those who value me. You might say well. How can that be? Well, depending on how much you value something, it affects how you talk about it, how you treat it. Is that right? How you handle it. If it's worth nothing to you, you'll snub it. You'll treat it like it's not important. Is that right? You'll ignore it. But if it is extremely valuable to you, you will pay. A big price. Is that right? right. To get to it. To take care of it. Come on can you see this? And if it is of the greatest value of everything. There is no price you won't pay. Now let's turn this around. Do you know how valuable you are to God? I doubt it. What, why are you saying that? There was no price he wouldn't pay to get you, to get me. There was no price he wouldn't pay. He paid his son. How many human beings would give their son or daughter that somebody else is so valuable to them? They would sacrifice their child to get them, to redeem them. Next time the devil tries to tell you you're not worth much, you say, well, how come God paid the biggest price that's ever been paid for anything in all time and eternity for me? That's what gives you eternal value, not your athletic prowess, not your intelligence, not your natural accomplishments in this world, because that all that stuff with your natural body, it's wearing and fading as we speak. None of that is what gives you your identity and your value. Because so many of these things will be long forgotten in just a few centuries, much less a few millennia. But the thing that will always give you and I an identity and an immeasurable value is that God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, redeemed us with a price beyond gold, the precious blood of the spotless lamb. He paid it all because it was the only thing that you could buy a soul with. You can't buy a soul with money. But you could with the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. 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 Has He honored us?
1: Yes.
0: Has He valued us?
1: Yes.
0: He did. And He does. And that forever. Makes you special. Hallelujah. (laughs) Gives you an unshakable, unfading identity. Who are you? I like what John said. I'm the one he loves. (laughs) I'm the apple of his eye. (laughs) You can't argue with that because he paid the biggest price for you and I that's ever been paid for anything. He valued us and still does. He never changes. Values us so highly. Well, it's only right. It's only our reasonable worship and service that we value him. And we value what he values, which is each other. Is that right? Yes our brothers and sisters in Christ and all those who would become our brothers and sisters in Christ that we would value him and them to the point there is no price we wouldn't pay. Now a lot of believers would agree with this in theory. (laughs) But how many wouldn't even pay the price of getting up and getting dressed and coming to church. How many wouldn't pay the price. Of being available for any kind of service. On any team or anything. How many wouldn't pay the price of sowing in a single offering. To preach the gospel. See it's just not the case. With so many who claim to be believers. They, If the price becomes of any amount at all. To them, that's too much. And people think, you know, and, and pastors are afraid to even say much about giving, say much about serving. Amen. Why? Because, you know, a lot of people, you know, get, get offended and, and quit coming. Yeah, but that's not what you said, preacher. That's what Jesus said. That's what the head of the church says. He requires a full measure of commitment. He said, uh, you know, you you cannot be my disciple unless you're willing, I'm paraphrasing, to make these sacrifices. And that's why David said, no. And in one translation says, I'm going to pay you top price for this place. It was 600 shekels of gold. He said, I'm going to pay you top price and Turns out this place he bought that day is the site, future site for the temple of God. They didn't know that then. But uh, anytime you're following the direction of the Lord, you're doing something in faith, and you honor God, it's going to have long-lasting results. And what happens when you honor him? He will honor you. He never forgets. But he said, I'm not going to give something. This is a big thing. I'm not going to give something that belongs to you and didn't cost me anything. If it costs nothing, then to the giver, is it worth nothing? So what does it mean? So go back with me over, or are you still holding your place in Mark, the 8th chapter. Mark chapter 8, verse 31. How many believe this is the Spirit of God? Is this the Word of God? Is this the Spirit of God? We don't want some watered down, altered, modern version of easy believism. We want the real deal. Is that right? We want the Christ. Christianity. Yes. We want Christianity like Paul had it. like yes. Peter, is that right? We, yes. The real deal. So he began to teach them and said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. It's amazing how many times he told them exactly what was about to happen. When this started going down. Everybody should have been prepared. He, he told them. Is this clear or not? What's going to happen? Elders are going to reject me. And the chief priest. And the scribes. That's the whole. All of the religious hierarchy. Are going to completely reject me. And in fact they're going to kill me. But after three days, going to rise again. Now this is before some length of time before any of this happened. And so now think how this compares with our text. The Spirit of God on the Mount of Transfiguration talked to Moses and Elijah about these things. He wasn't shocked or surprised at any of it. That didn't make it easy. But he didn't say, well, man, I'm just not going to Jerusalem. (laughs) Right? Which is kind of what Paul, similar situation, he said, man, there's some rough stuff waiting on you in Jerusalem. But he realized, yeah, but it's still the will of God for me to go. Would the Lord ever lead you into something that's going to be challenging. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Verse 32. Notice this. Peter took Jesus aside. And he. You know. He hadn't been to our faith conferences. But.
1: <laughs>
0: he didn't believe in suffering. He believed we were redeemed. From all suffering. And so he says. He uh, says. No, Lord. And if you look at Matthew's account, he said, this shall not be. What do you mean? Suffering, many things, being killed. No, 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 no. In fact, here it says, he, Peter rebuked him. No. He did what? He said, well, what does that mean? He, he said, uh, no, Lord, yeah, I, I think you missed it on this. Why? Because the natural response to any kind of discomfort and suffering of the flesh is no, no, that can't be right. No, that can't be right. And verse 33, he turned about. He turned his back on Peter and he rebuked Peter. Well, Peter was sowing it. He sowed rebuke and immediately reaped some rebuke. He said, get behind me, Satan. (laughs) And all the rest of the disciples went, Satan. (laughs) Called Peter Satan. What's going on here? Get behind me, Satan. Why? Because the enemy was talking through Peter. And Peter didn't have enough awareness not to yield to it. I mean, just correcting the Lord should have been a clue. Is that right? You should have thought, "Mm, do I really need to do this? (laughs) But like all of us, sometimes got that mouth in gear before the brain has caught up. (laughs) Get behind me, Satan. You don't savor the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. And see, that's back to this, that all that this is about is us living our life. Man-centric, self-centric, God's here to help us live our life. No, uh uh-uh, you got that skewed. You're here (laughs) to help do his will. Keep going. When he had called the people to him, he said, whoever will come after me, let him do what? Deny himself. And do what? Take up his cross. And follow me. Does that apply to us today? Certainly it does. What, what does that mean? Take up your cross. You and I can't pay the price. To redeem mankind. Only he could do that. And he's done it. I said he's done it. Nothing you can add to it. But there is the job of going into all the world, preaching the gospel to every created person. Is that right? right. Of building the church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. And that is going to require in this curse-filled, evil-filled, God-hating world, that's going to require you enduring, you and I, Enduring some sufferings, some discomfort, some pain, but not pain and suffering from the curse of the law, but persecution. And whatever it costs and takes to obey and go all the way, finish the job, complete the course. And the only reason you would do that is because it's worth so much to you. God, His will, His people is worth so much to you that like Paul said, I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. That is being like the master. Come on, can you see that? Not His cross, your cross. Your cross. Obedience, your service, your sacrifice. Everybody say it out loud, my service, my My sacrifice, my My cross.
1: cross.
0: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) If you don't want to be inconvenienced, if you don't want to be bothered, you won't do it. And millions won't do it. We can't choose for everybody. But how many don't know this life is short? That's what we started out talking about. This life is so very brief, so short. Is it too early to be thinking about finishing up? No. No. Absolutely not. He said, Whoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me, for whoever will save his life, what'll happen? If you just live for yourself, you will be disappointed. No, no might. You'll lose it. Even if you thought you got it, it'll slip through your fingers. But if you lose your life, if you just say, forget about what I want. What does the Lord want me to do? Lord, I belong to you. I'm available to you. I'm yours to command. It may look like you're losing things and giving up things. Oh, but you'll find out it wasn't worthy to be compared with what God had planned for you. Hallelujah. And what he will add to you and let you be a part of and let you enjoy things you could never have attained on your own. Never have achieved on your own. Never. But if you lose it for his sake in the gospel's That same one will save it. Hallelujah. Go to the ninth chapter of Mark. What will the truth do for you? It won't put you in bondage. It'll make you free. There's a higher purpose for the child of God living and existing than just making it through another day. Seeing how long you can live. Seeing how early you can retire. Making some money. Being comfortable. Have you heard that? That is so many people's biggest goal in life. Is being comfortable. Being able to retire. Being able to retire comfortably. Like this is all there is. But no, dear heart, you... You're not supposed to retire from the things of God. When do I retire from that? When you quit breathing. (laughs) That's not hard to figure out. It's when you quit breathing and you leave. Then it says you rest from your labors and your works do follow you. Till then, okay, you might retire from a profession, but not from serving God. Which is why, you know, there's a number of folks watching online that could be in the house, Mm -hmm. that could be serving on a team. You can receive something remotely, you can't serve remotely. And so this is not just about God helping you live your best life, we must be about the Christ, who was about service and sacrifice. Amen. Sacrificing whatever it took to accomplish the service. We can't repeat his cross, but we can take up our cross. Our service. Our sacrifice. And if you're serious about it, he will show you what that is. And his grace is sufficient. Mark 9 and 30. Mark 9 and 30. This has grown on me. They departed and passed through Galilee, and he would not that any man should know it. Keep reading. Next several verses here. He taught his disciples. He said to them. Now this is the same book, Mark, just a chapter later. What's he saying? He taught his disciples. He said the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they're going to kill him. Ain't that what we just read in chapter 8? Why? Preparing them. Is that right? Preparing them. Yeah, it's a big price. It's a giant price. It is a sacrifice. But I, that's why I'm here. I came to pay this. He's preparing them, getting them ready. The Son of Man is going to be delivered in the hands of men and they're going to kill him. And after he's killed, he's going to rise the third day. You know, they shouldn't have been bewildered when the guards came and took him. They shouldn't have just been confounded when he did actually die on the cross. And yet they were. It's amazing how the Lord can tell us something over and over and over again, and people still act like they never heard it. I'm not judging you. You don't judge me. But they understood not that saying. This, this, this explains it. They didn't understand it. They're like, What? Dying? Raising from the dead? They're like, Yeah, Jesus gets off into some things sometime, does not
1: he?
0: <laughs> Did you understand it? Nah, I don't know. What are we having for supper? <laughs> Sounds like who? <laughs> Us. They were afraid to ask him. Keep reading. He came to Capernaum, being at the house, he asked them, what was it that you disputed among yourselves by the way? (laughs) And nobody said anything. (laughs) Because, by the way, they had been disputing or arguing among themselves who was going to be the greatest. What they did uh, receive completely was that the the kingdom of God was going to be set up. And Jesus was going to be number one. And he's going to need some people to help him rule and run this thing. And so one of them said, well, you know, you know, guys, I don't want y'all to be disappointed, but you know I'm going to be Jesus' right-hand man. And Somebody said, what? No, you know, no, everybody knows that so-and-so is going to be. And so they got into it. On the road. Well, you no, you're wrong. I'm, I'm going to be. No, you're, I'm going to be. Verse 35. So they said nothing when he asked them about this. So he calls a little meeting. He says, all right, come here. Everybody come sit down. He said, if any man desires to be first, he's going to wind up being last of all. If he what? Wants to be Head honcho. Wants to be in charge. Wants to be in control. This is the world. The ungodly world wants to be in charge. Wants to be important. Wants to be seen. Wants to be noticed. Wants to be in control. You talk about a control freak. It's the devil. That is his big ambition. He wants to control everything and everybody and force you. He said, if anybody wants to be first, he's going to be last of all and servant of all. He took a child, set him in the midst, and when he took him in his arms, he said to them, whoever will receive one such children in my name receives me. Whoever shall receive me, receives not me, but him that sent me. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank
1: Thank you, Lord. Lord.
0: Now go to Mark 10 and 17. When he was come forth, gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and said, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus said, Why callest thou me good? There's none good but one, that is God. He said, you know the commandments. Don't commit adultery, don't kill, don't steal, don't bear false witness, defraud not, honor your father and mother. And he answered and said to him, Master, all these I have observed from my youth. Jesus beholding him, loved him, and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, Give it to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. Notice this next part. Come. Do what? Take up the cross. Follow me. Is it going to cost him something? To follow the master. Verse 22. He was what? Sad at that saying and went away grieved for he had great possessions. And here we see why the Lord told him to do that. See, with the Lord, it's always about the heart. And there's no standardized rule for everybody. Do y'all remember Zacchaeus? What's the children saying, "We little man climbed up in the sycamore tree. Lord, he wanted to see. And the Lord said, I, I got to go to your house eat today. So he went to Zacchaeus' house, and in the middle of this, Zacchaeus stood up and said, Lord, I'm giving the half of my goods to the poor. And the Lord didn't say, mm, half's not good enough. He said, salvation's come to your house today. He didn't ask him for more. Well, is it all? Is it half? What is it? It's whatever he says to you. And this wouldn't have meant that this rich young man is taking a vow of poverty. He didn't ask him to take a vow of poverty. He asked him to demonstrate that he values God and the things of God more than he values this money. And you see why the Lord told him to do that. The Spirit of God prompted him because the money would have meant more to him than the things of God. He proved it. Because to him it was a price too high to pay. He was ready to listen to Jesus. He was ready to believe Jesus about eternal life. And what's coming until it's going to cost him something personally. That means something to him. And so is he going to finish his course did the Lord have a course for him? Come. Take up the cross. Follow me. Is he inviting him to be part of the team? With Peter, James, and John, and those guys? And he, he choked and balked and, and thought, what? Liquidate. Everything? I. And he left. So he did not begin his course, much less finish it. Can you see that? When he encountered, it's going to cost him something. Is the Lord against you having any money or having anything? What was the problem? this failure to act proves he loves that more you can say whatever you want to say but when it comes time to act you find out and if you can't turn loose of it that's why he said mother, father, sister, brother, son, daughter lands your own life if there's anything you won't leave for him can't be his disciple Because he requires the number one spot. That you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And that means there's no price you won't pay to follow him. Somebody say, no price. price. Too high. high. No price. 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 Too Too great. Keep reading. Jesus looked around about... His disciples, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? His disciples were astonished at his words because they've been taught, you know, if you serve God and he blesses you'll be you'll be rich like Abraham. So they're like, What? This was strange to them. But he goes on to talk about children, how hard is it for them that what? There's a problem, it wasn't the riches. It's not the money. Money's not the problem. It's the love of the money. Money's not the problem. It's the trust in riches. And what the Lord told him to do showed it up. He could have been free from it. And this is just my thinking now. Just my thinking. But they're about to lose Judas, the money man. That I had one right there in the wings, ready to go, who's got so much seed in the ground, is that right? And believing for harvest? Either way you go, did this young man miss a huge, eternal opportunity? Keep going. Let me skip down for time's sake. Say it again no price. Too high. too high, no cost, no cost. Too, great. too great. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And um, Peter, verse 28, began to say, Lord, we've left all and followed you. They were willing to pay that price. And he said, there's no man that's left house, brothers, sisters, father, mother, wife, or children or lands for my sake in the gospel. He'll receive a hundredfold. Tell me those, le- those next words. <laughs> now, now, in this time, unless you weren't clear, he goes on with the list. Now in this time, houses. Right. Yeah. Now in this time. Brothers, sisters, mothers, children, now. Lands, Now. Man, the smartest thing you ever did was turn loose and leave whatever the Lord told you to leave to follow him. Because so much of it is coming back to you now in this life. And, but notice, notice, with persecutions. Uh Uh-oh. You'd like to leave that out, but yeah, there's going to be some folks that don't like it. Well, it's really their problem. And in the world to come, you're going to reap eternal life. But many that are first shall be last and the last first. Now get this again. We've already seen this eight and nine. Now look again, chapter 10. They were in the way going up to Jerusalem. Jesus went before them. They were amazed. As they followed, they were afraid and took again the 12. He began to tell them what things should happen. He said, we're going to Jerusalem. The Son of Man is going to be delivered to the chief priests and scribes. They're going to condemn him to death. They're going to deliver him to the Gentiles. They're going to mock him. They're going to scourge him. They're going to spit on him. They're going to kill him. Detail. Before any of it happened. And the third day. (laughs) Woo. He will rise again. Oh somebody say thank you Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank, you. Thank you Lord. Now notice how this all goes together the very next verse. James and John the sons of Zebedee came to him. Actually they sent their mama. <laughs> but the Bible when you have a messenger that speaks for you it speaks as though you did it yourself. Which is a whole lesson in representation. When we speak in the name of Jesus and we do it what he said in his name. It's like him speaking. Right. Amen. They said master. We would that you should do for us. Whatever we want to desire. And ask you. Would you do something we're going to ask you. Just say yes. <laughs> Verse 36. He said now nah, what. What do you want me to do for you. They said well. Grant to us that we, me and Bubba here we can sit one on your right hand and the other on your left I mean you can pick which one in your glory see they didn't hear what he said about if you want to be first you got to be last and the greatest is going to be the servant because you remember just what, a couple of chapters back they got into it on the road about who's going to be the greatest see they didn't let it go Even though the Lord called a little conference, had them sit down, got the little child, held him in his arms, I don't know what they were doing, but they didn't get it. Here they are, chapters later going, Lord, and you read the rest of it, it said the rest of the bunch got mad at them, because they didn't think of it first. (laughs) They're going to sneak in when nobody else is around, Lord, we want to ask you, and we're the first ones asking, right? We want to be number one and two. You know, behind you. We want to be at the top. We want to be in control. We want to be in charge. That's the way of the world. And we must die to it. It is not like the master. That's not his way. Wanting to take charge. Wanting to take over. Wanting to control. That's the nature of the enemy it's all around you in this world you'll have to fight it and it's just natural to the selfish nature let me take it let me do it I know what to do let me take control get out of the way I got this (laughs) Jesus said you don't know what you're asking can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink of is he talking about suffering here yes. yes he is can you be baptized with the baptism I'm about to be baptized with? He's talking about suffering. He's talking about service. He's talking about sacrifice. Isn't he? And they're talking about being in charge. Verse 40. Or verse 39. They said what? We can. Are they counting the cost? No. no they, they're clueless. As to the cost. And Jesus said. Well all right then. You shall indeed. Drink the cup. That I'm going to drink of. And be the baptism that I'm going to be baptized with. They should have hit their knees and went. Oh God. But they didn't know. But. To partake in his sufferings. Is to share in his glory. Verse 40. But to sit on my right hand. And on my left hand. It's not mine to give. Which means Jesus is not the Father. Some oneness doctrines try to say that Father, Son, Holy Spirit are three emanations of the same person. But that's not what the Bible teaches. He said it's not mine. But it'll be given to them for whom it's prepared. When the ten heard it they began to be much displeased with James and John. (laughs) Uh see there's strife going on who's behind this the enemy you saw the enemy working with Peter didn't you rebuking the Lord telling him oh no no you're not going to suffer anything we're just going to set up the kingdom and we're going to rule and reign with you no suffering no 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 and here they're they're in strife about who's going to be in charge Said out loud, it's not, about who's in it's not about who's in charge. It's about service.
1: It's about, service.
0: It's about sacrifice.
1: It's about
0: Hallelujah. Sacrifice. That's the law of the Christ. That's being like the Christ. They were much displeased, and he said, "Jesus call them to him. Time for another lesson. Come on, come on back, guys. Come here. Sit down." <laughs> He said, you know, they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles. Now, the Gentiles described all the folks without a covenant with God, ungodly people. They exercise lordship over them. They lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority or control over them. In the world, the ungodly world, they dominate each other. They lord it over each other. But it shall not be so among you. Somebody say, not like, not like the world. Not like the world. Whoever will be great among you will be your minister. Now, we've exalted that word minister, but it, the word means servant. That's why I keep using the word service. That's why around the churches we have service teams. Service teams. Whoever will be great among you will be your server, will serve. To be like the Christ is to find joy in serving. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To enjoy benefiting another, to enjoy removing a burden. From another. Yes, sir. To enjoy. Being a part. Of another's prayer being answered. Amen. Of another's need being met. Amen. Of another's dream and vision. Coming to pass. Amen. And being fulfilled. Amen. To enjoy that. Amen. Is to be godly. Yes. To enjoy that. Yes. Is to be like the Christ. Yes. Amen. He said whoever will be great among you. Shall be. Your Minister. And whoever of you will be chiefest shall be servant of all. Even as the Son of Man, talking about Himself, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. And to give His life a ransom. Somebody say, give, give. Is this service? Is this sacrifice? This is how you find your course. This is how you start your course. This is how you fulfill and eventually finish your course. To have this kind of heart that the most valuable things in your life and heart are not your life down here, or making just making yourself happy, or just tending to your immediate family, but you have a bigger purpose. And that you are fulfilled. In following in the steps of the Christ. Pursuing what he pursued. Living what he lived. And that involves a cross. Not his cross, but your cross. What is your cross? Service. Sacrifice. I like what Paul said. I'll very gladly spend and be spent. For you. He went on to say even if I'm paraphrasing even if you don't appreciate it. Even if you don't love me for it. I'm still going to do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And how many think he doesn't regret one sacrifice today being in heaven being in glory. Does he regret one discomfort one bit of pain he went through to accomplish it. No no never. We're still talking about him.